Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by LinkedIn. Get the applicants you want faster and for free at LinkedInJobs.com. On today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, I'm going to compare Steve Sarkeesian to two head coaches who are pretty much in identical situations as Steve Sarkeesian. Both of these head coaches are in the SEC. Both of these head coaches have coached 20 games up until this point, just like Sark has at the University of Texas. And both of these head coaches are in their second year uh, in their newest head coaching positions. And then we have to talk about the general Sam Ellinger being named the starter for the Indianapolis Colts for the remainder of the season. He has 10 games to prove to a lot of doubters that he can be uh, a starting quarterback in the National Football League. So I'm so happy for one of our favorite quarterbacks to ever grace the 40, one of the most accomplished Texas players to ever grace the 40 and uh, really excited to see uh, what he does for the next 10 games. But there's a lot of Longhorns in the NFL that's balling right now. So we give Sam Ellinger a shout out and talk about the rest of them. Uh, but first, I just want to give a quick thank you to everyone who has listened and watched Long, uh, Locked on Longhorns. I want to give a quick thank you to everyone who listened to my last episode. I got so much great feedback on it from uh, Twitter to people reaching out personally to almost 140 comments on the YouTube video. And um, I always said that when we win, I get more views, but when we lose, I get more engagement. And uh, it was just so you know refreshing to see how many people felt how I felt, you know, see how many people agreed with me, you know, see how many people just had strong feelings about what they've seen from this Texas program, not only on Saturday, but really for the better part of a decade. And it's so cool to have a community of people that feel how I feel and, and people that I'm able to talk to and, and share my thoughts with, you know, like I said, it's hard, you know, when, when Texas loses and it's even harder to get on here and produce content about why Texas lost. But I swear, you know, y'all make it all worth it. If the question is how much love, then the answer is a whole lot. of So, uh, you know, I really appreciate y'all. And as somebody who, you know, is still, I guess, eight months in on Monday, it'll be nine months. I still have that self-doubt creep in sometimes. Sometimes I still post episodes and, you know, feel like I could have done better or I could have did things differently or, you know, I, I could be doing more. You know, the show could be better. And like I said, that's just that self-doubt that creeps in. You know, I'm still young. I'm still new to this business, but y'all constantly remind me that I'm on the right track. And, you know, I'm forever grateful for that. I want to talk about Sark in comparison to these two head coaches in the SEC, because I'm hearing so often and maybe too often that 20 games is not enough time to judge Steve Sarkeesian on his tenure at the University of Texas. And I wholeheartedly disagree. I think that that's layered. I think that 20 games is way too early to write off Steve Sarkeesian and say he's the wrong head coach for the University of Texas. And I still believe, you know, maybe it's wishful thinking, but I still believe that Steve Sarkeesian is the right head coach. And eventually he'll get this thing turned around. But 20 games is definitely enough to show that you are the right coach for the position. 20 games is definitely enough to show the fan base and the people that cover the team that you have brought a different energy to this program. And they, they are somebody, you are somebody that they should buy stock in. And I don't think that Sark has done that either. So like I said, through 20 games, it is way too early to write off Steve Sarkeesian, but through 20 games, Steve Sarkeesian could have answered a lot of the questions that we have about him. And he has not, he has definitely left some meat on the bone. And I think every question that has been asked about Steve Sarkeesian is more than fair through 20 games at this point through his Texas career. I believe new head coaches have to do two things when they come into a program. These might not be the two most important things, but I think every successful 
new head coach has done these two things. You have to, one, change the trajectory of the program, and you have to, two, establish your identity on your side of the ball. The first head coach I want to compare Sark to is Josh Heupel at Tennessee. And as I said before, Josh Heupel has coached 20 games at Tennessee, just like Sark has coached 20 games at Texas. Josh Heupel is in his second year at Tennessee, just like Sark is in his second year at the University of Texas. Both programs have dealt with a lot before their current coach, but I would say I think Texas has a little more resources than the University of Tennessee does. I think Texas has more resources to allocate to their football program than the University of Tennessee does, although Tennessee obviously is is no slouch of a football program, and they're one of the most historic programs in college football, but they're not Texas when it comes to college football, right? No disrespect. That's just being objective. Steve Sarkeesian through 20 games is 10 and 10. Josh Heupel through 20 games at the University of Tennessee is 14 and 6. Through 20 games, the Longhorns are currently not ranked in the AP poll. Through 20 games, Josh Heupel's Tennessee Volunteers are ranked third in the country. And when you look at change in the trajectory of the program, in 2020, the Tennessee Volunteers were three and seven. In their first year, they go seven and six. And out of their six losses, five of them were to nine plus win teams. So five of their six losses were to teams that won nine games that year. Wasn't a great first year, but definitely a solid first year for a coach that came in and is trying to change the trajectory of the program coming off of a three and seven season. And then in his second year, he's seven and zero, top five in the AP poll, realistic chance to win his conference, the toughest conference, the SEC, and a realistic chance to make the college football playoff with signature wins against Florida. I know they're not the Florida we're used to seeing, but Tennessee has struggled against Florida so much. That's a signature win. And then, of course, beating Alabama, albeit at home, beating Alabama, that's a signature win as well, especially when Bryce Young came back. And when you, if you were to ask me, has Steve Sarkeesian changed the trajectory of this Texas football program, I'm not sure that I could definitively say yes. Because we know that there was a lot going on around the program in 2020, and we know that <laughs> there was multiple reasons that Tom Herman got fired. You know, underperforming was one, but – he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, right? Development. There's a lot of things you can point to. But they went seven and three in 2020. And then in 2021, they take a step back and they go five and seven with their longest losing streak, six losses since the 50s. And then this year, they're five and three. They look like they're going to improve on five and seven, but Texas should never go five and seven. So saying that Texas is going to win more than five games, I mean, that's not, that doesn't mean nothing to me. That don't move the needle for me. And I think this year he has two bad losses. Because he had a 14-point lead in both of them to Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, and he has no signature win. And when you talk about establishing your identity on your side of the ball, both of these are offensive coaches. But one of them has a dominant offense, and one of them has a really good offense. Tennessee and Josh Heupel, halfway through his second year, the best scoring offense in college football. They're averaging over 50 points a game. Texas in Sark's second year, 25th in scoring offense. Really good. That's not elite. There's 24 teams scoring more points than you. That's not elite, Sark. And when you look at Tennessee, they're first in total offense. And it's balanced, too. They're second ranked in the past offense. They probably have the leading Heisman candidate in Hendon Hooker. And they're 24th in run offense. When you look at Texas, they're 33rd in total offense. 
That's really good. But it's not elite. And Sark was tabbed, especially coming from Alabama, as an elite offensive mind. But this Texas offense has just been really good. It hasn't been elite. I'm not sure if Sark has truly established his offensive identity on his side of the ball. And when asked about Josh Heupel, so I reached out to our Locked On Vols host, Eric Kane, because I wanted to get a pulse of how people that cover the team and are fans of the team felt about Josh Heupel through 20 games at the University of Tennessee. And I'm not going to answer this question, but I want to ask you, I'm trying not to lead you. I'm trying not to put thoughts in your head, but I want to ask you this question. What is Sark's offensive identity at the University of Texas? And do you feel like it's consistent every week? Once again, I'm not trying to lead you. He could have a great offensive identity. You, It could show up every week. I want you to think about that. But when asked to Eric Kane, our Lockdown Balls host, this is a Tennessee host on the Lockdown Podcast Network, about Josh Heupel's offensive identity and how the fans feel about him through this point, this is what I was told. Fast and furious. That's pretty much how I describe Josh Heupel's offense at Tennessee. It's among the fastest in the nation in terms of plays per minute, and there's hardly any subbing in drives. That's what is unique about Heupel's offense. You've got to have a tight end out there for every play, essentially, and he's got to be versatile. They run a bunch of different sets with three wideouts and a tight end. Tennessee's goal every drive is to get that first first down. And once they do that, they roll. Everyone thinks Heupel's offense is an air raid. Far from it. Tennessee has run for over 200 yards and well over 68% of his games in Knoxville. You hinder the run and it'll give the offense problems. But the key, as in any offense, is to find a quarterback who is not only skilled, but one who can also process information at an extremely high clip. Tennessee hit the jackpot with Hendon Hooker and Josh Heupel together. Fans are in love with Heupel right now. He can do no wrong. We talked about changing the trajectory and establishing your identity and bringing a new energy to the program. Has Steve Sarkeesian brought a new energy to the University of Texas? I'm not sure. Has Josh Heupel brought a new energy to the University of Tennessee? You judge for yourself. The next head coach that I want to compare Steve Sarkeesian to is Shane Beamer at the University of South Carolina. Once again, both head coaches have coached 20 games uh, at their newest positions thus far. Sark, 20 games at the University of Texas. Shane Beamer, 20 games at the University of South Carolina. And when you look at it in 20 games, Sark is 10 and 10 once again. Shane Beamer is 12 and 8 in the SEC at the University of South Carolina with less resources than the University of Texas. Through 20 games, Steve Sarkeesian is not ranked in the AP poll, but Shane Beamer and the South Carolina Gamecocks are ranked 25th in the country. I talked about changing the trajectory of the program. They were 2-8 and eight in 2020. This is before Shane Beamer. In 2021, they went 7-6, and six, and this year, in 2022, they are 5-2 and two currently, ranked in the AP poll, and you want to talk about signature wins, they beat Kentucky on the road, and they beat Texas A&M at home. And I'm not sure if Shane Beamer has established his offensive identity yet. I'm not sure if he has the personnel at the University of South Carolina to, you know, establish his identity on the side of the ball. I also know that they are 41st in scoring offense, and that's with awful quarterback play 
from Spencer Rattler. So when I look at it, with the lack of resources that South Carolina has, Shane Beamer coming in, really having to work that program all the way back up from the ground, I think 41st in scoring offense in their second year is a great accomplishment for Shane Beamer. I think being 5-2 and two and ranked in the AP poll in their second year through 20 games is a great accomplishment. And when I asked our Locked On Gamecocks host, Andrew Lyon, about the offensive identity at the University of South Carolina and how fans felt about Shane Beamer, this is what he had to say. With his offensive identity, Shane Beamer right now oversees a pro-style offense that's called by offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield. Coach Beamer looks for the offense to be multiple in terms of what his personnel can do, and it all starts with the ground game for him, something he took from his time under Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. This is utilized to set up both screen passes and intermediate to deep play action concepts in order to try and truly stretch the field both horizontally and vertically, something that modern offenses must be able to do in order to be elite. Regarding the pulse of the fan base, the majority of them are extremely excited about the program's future under Shane Beamer's watch. He completely changed the toxic culture in the building that was left by the previous regime, involved himself in the community, and has made the fan base feel like they're valuable and an important part of the program. He's also recruiting extremely at a high level right now, which is due mostly to the family atmosphere he and his staff embody. And so I asked you once again, <laughs> if I was to ask you what Sark's offensive identity was and it's, if it's consistent every week, what would you tell me? And if I was to ask you if Sark has changed the, the culture and the energy of this Texas program, I'm not sure you can definitively say yes, because when I look at Shane Beamer, I see a program that's built on trust, a program that's built on family, a program that's built on love. And when Kentucky, which I said they beat him on the road, was a signature win, even though their starting quarterback was hurt. But when Kentucky head coach Mark Stoops took some shots at Shane Beamer's at SEC Media Day over the offseason, he made sure to get his lick back when they beat. Kentucky on the road this year. Make sure, hey, make sure we're classy in our post game with the media, all right? But at SEC Media Days, he talked about stupid sunglasses and dancing. Come on, Through 20 games, Steve Sarkeesian has been outperformed in a tougher conference by Josh Heupel at Tennessee and Shane Beamer at the University of South Carolina. Once again, I think through 20 games, it is way too early to say that Steve Sarkeesian is not the right coach for this University of Texas football program. But I also think through 20 games, it is fair to question the decisions that Steve Sarkeesian has made and the product that Steve Sarkeesian has put on the field through 20 games. And I think most, if not all of us, would admit, even the Sark truthers like me, that he's left some meat on the bone. A quick word from a few of our sponsors. Then we're going to talk about, you know, some some more positive news. Sam Ellinger being named the starter for the Indianapolis Colts. And then some other Longhorns that are balling in the NFL. 
right now. I told you earlier that this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And then, once again, I've talked to y'all a million times about sweat block. It's getting a little cooler, but that's no excuse for y'all to be walking around here, you know, with chronic sweat or, or body odor. Like I said, nobody wants to deal with that, man. You know, and I know y'all are traveling. Y'all going to these football games. Y'all going to these family outings, man. Make sure you're smelling good. Make sure you're looking good. Sweat block. It was created by a doctor to help with his own excessive sweating. It is doctor created and doctor recommended. And we all love saving money. So if you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try sweat block. Save 20% with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. It is also available on Amazon. So once again, the general Sam Ellinger has been announced as the starting quarterback for the Texas Longhorns. And I remember uh, when they traded Carson Wentz, I remember making an episode saying that this was a, you know, a possibility that Sam Ellinger could get some burn. But then, you know, the Deshaun Watson situation happened, the relationship between Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons soured, which I get, you know, Matt Ryan has been a staple in that community for over a decade. And, you know, they try to replace it with somebody that had 20 plus sexual assault cases. So I get why he would want to leave. Uh, he's gone to the Indianapolis Colts, and I guess through seven games, uh, the team has decided that they've seen enough, you know, um, and they've dealt with a lot of quarterback problems. I think it was, what, Phillip Rivers when Andrew Luck retired, then they went to Phillip Rivers. They had Jacoby Brissett at, at a point. They had uh, Carson Wentz, and then now Matt Ryan. And I guess through seven games, even though he's dealing with a, a grade two shoulder sprain or something like that, uh, Chris Ballard and Frank Reich have came out and said that the decision to go forward with Sam Ellinger has – really nothing to do with his injury. It's going to be a permanent decision. And Sam Ellinger gets, you know, 10 games to prove that, you know, once again, he can be a starting quarterback in the NFL because that was a question mark for somebody who was very decorated in college. Would it be able to translate to the NFL? We have people calling Sam Ellinger, our leader, our fearless leader, a fullback. You know what I'm saying? Disrespecting that man. But they call Lamar Jackson a running back and look how that worked out. Um, but when you look at it, you know, the Colts are three, three and one. I think they have a really good opportunity now. They're probably not going to make the playoffs as a wild card. The the AFC is loaded. But, you know, when I look at it, it hurts that they lost to Tennessee twice already. I think that the winner of that division is either going to be the Colts or Tennessee. And Tennessee has the tiebreaker beating them twice already. But the Colts are three, three and one and Tennessee is four and two. So there is a very realistic chance that I wouldn't say it's a very realistic chance. but Sam Ellinger has a chance to take this team to the playoffs and win this division in spot duty. And we all thought that this could be a possibility because we knew that the Colts were kind of using stop gaps at the quarterback position. And then Sam Ellinger came out and played like a man possessed in the preseason. You can make the argument that if they gave out a preseason MVP award, Sam Ellinger might've won it. So he was 24 of 29 for 289 yards. I'm not sure if this is accounting, uh for rushing yards as well i was a little lazy in my research I, i'll give you that four touchdowns and zero interceptions he was really good in the preseason and you saw so many people come out on the team frank wright chris ballard the gm just speak glowingly about sam ellinger they spoke so glowingly about him it really kind of gave out those tea leaves that 
okay, he might get a chance eventually, especially given the situation where, like I said, they don't have a long-term answer at the quarterback position. And what really told me that he had the respect of the team, and we know that Sam Ellinger is the type of player that's going to come in, come in there and do everything the right way and, you know, get the respect of his teammates from a lead by example, you know, type of standpoint. We know that Sam Ellinger is the type of player that you want to go to war for, right? But, you know, he's a backup quarterback. It's hard for any backup to lead. He was third string, you know, going into the season. And he just doesn't have a bunch of opportunities to prove himself. So how much can the backup to the backup quarterback really have an impact on the team? But one thing that really stood out to me was that one of the best players on the Colts, if not the best player on the Colts, all pro linebacker Darius. He, he said he wants to go by Shaquille now, but Darius Shaquille Leonard, Shaquille Leonard, Shaquille Darius Leonard, whatever you want to call him, one of the best players in the league. He constantly went out of his way to praise Sam Ellinger. He constantly went out of his way to tweet about Sam Ellinger and how much he enjoyed him and what he meant to this football team. Mind you, this is when Sam Ellinger was the third string quarterback. So I really thought, OK, you know, there may be an opportunity for Sam Ellinger to get some playing time, especially when the Colts determined that they had nothing to play for. But they threw us a curveball and made Sam Ellinger the starter when they have everything to play for. And they decided after seven games of Matt Ryan, somebody that they're paying probably 20 plus meal to that they've seen enough and that they're ready to go with the young kid. And I still think that this is more of a, you know, a chance for him to maybe audition, but if he goes out there and balls out and, and they make a real run at the division or the playoffs, why not with the Colts say that, you know, Sam Ellinger could be the starter moving forward. And I think that when you look at their remaining schedule, he has every opportunity to do that. I look at him this Sunday against the commanders I think that they should win that game. Taylor Heineke and the commanders are playing feisty. They just beat the Packers, but the Colts are still a really good football team. I think they believe Matt Ryan was holding them back. And I think Sam Ellinger is the type of player that players just want to get up for and want to play hard for. We're seeing it uh, with the commanders and Taylor Heineke. We're seeing it right now in Carolina, uh, you know, when they, they got Baker out of there and now they're playing hard and beat the Buccaneers for PJ Walker. I think that Sam Ellinger will bring that same type of spark to this Indianapolis Colts football team. I think they'll beat the Commanders on Sunday. I think next Sunday against the Patriots. We know Bill Belichick's track record uh, against, you know, young quarterbacks and, and rookie quarterbacks, so I think that's going to be tough. But we also saw Justin Fields, who hasn't been great at all, dog walk them on Monday Night Football. So I had that as a loss. I wrote this out before the show, but I'm changing that to a win. I think he's going to beat the Patriots as well the Raiders they're under 500 they have a lot of talent they don't scare me at all I think Sam Ellinger starts off 3-0 and as the starting quarterback as the Indianapolis Colts and this is not all Sam Ellinger I think they still have a really good defense they still have a really good running game I think Sam Ellinger is going to be able to pick his spots he's in the perfect situation for a young quarterback so I think Sam Ellinger starts off 3-0 as much as I hate to say it I don't think the Colts beat the Eagles that would be a great win but the Eagles are just rolling on a different level this year so I'm going to say that's a loss to the Eagles Steelers they're not the same Steelers of old. This is going to be the first time in Mike Tomlin's coaching tenure that he has a sub 500 record. And part of that is going to be because Sam Ellinger and the Indianapolis Colts are going to beat the Steelers. And then against my Cowboys, look, it's going to bring me no joy to say this, but I hope the Cowboys win by 50. I hope that Michael Parsons is on Sam Ellinger's case all day. I hope he throws four interceptions. It's going to pain me to see it it's gonna pain me to watch but I'm a Cowboys fan at the end of the day Sam Ellinger is not playing for the Longhorns no more so on that particular Sunday he's gonna be the enemy you know so I think Michael Parsons is gonna be all over him it's gonna pain me to watch him struggle against them Dallas Cowboys but 
We them boys, and they're going to pull out a victory. The Vikings look really good this year. They're hitting on all cylinders, winning their division. I think that they beat the Colts. The Chargers, they've been inconsistent. But when it comes down to quarterbacks, Justin Herbert, Sam Ellinger, a lot of Longhorns, no comparison. I think the Chargers win that one. And then he ends the season against the Giants and the Texans. I think he wins both of those games. But even if there's a game I'm wrong on or right on, give or take, Sam Ellinger has a chance in 10 games to go anywhere, in my opinion, from five and five to seven and three as the starter. And I think that would be amazing for somebody who was completely written off coming into the NFL, somebody who was labeled as a fullback and somebody who most people thought would never get the chance to prove that he's a starting NFL quarterback. And now we know barring injury, he's going to be the starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts in the national football league for the next 10 games for the remainder of the season. So happy for the general. And I know that he's going to do everything in his power to take advantage of it. And hopefully week one in the 2023 season, Sam Ellinger is the starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. But I said there's a lot of Longhorns balling in the NFL this year. You know, they want to talk so much about how we didn't have anybody drafted. But there's some Longhorns, uh, you know, making their mark this year in the NFL. Of course, we have to start with, you know, maybe the greatest kicker of all time. You know, a surefire Hall of Famer, Justin Tucker. He's doing his thing like he does every year statistically. The most accurate NFL kicker in the history of the National Football League. And then he had the nerve to come out and say that he's a system kicker. You know, he's hilarious. But he's doing his thing as always. I saw Marquise Goodwin. Uh, had a touchdown last week against the Chargers. He did his little shimmy uh, in the end zone. Deontay Foreman is balling like he was at the University of Texas. And it seems like every time he gets an opportunity in the NFL, which is not enough, in my opinion, he balls out as well. He had over 100 yards on Saturday. I mean, on Sunday, excuse me. Wish he was still playing on Saturdays. Uh, Devin Duvernay has been balling for the Ravens. They've had some injuries at the wide receiver position. Um, and I think he's scored like three or four touchdowns. This year, we saw uh, Keontae Ingram, you know, although he transferred out of the program. Uh, he had a couple touchdowns on Thursday night football uh, when the Cardinals played the Saints. So a lot of, you know, Texas Longhorns right now are balling in the National Football League. And it's amazing to see Caden Stearns. Let me not forget, uh, he had his two interception game uh, with the Broncos. Kawandre Diggs, he's been playing really well. So a lot of Longhorns, I know I'm still missing some, but. They've been playing really well this year, and now Sam Ellinger gets his chance to add his name uh, to that hat. So, so excited for our Longhorns in the National Football League and, you know, being able to continue to watch them this year. And then as far as our Longhorns that are currently on the team, it's going to be a long bye week, but I think they need this to come back, uh, you know, reset, you know, get refreshed and make sure that they can end this season with these last four games and then hopefully uh, a bowl game on a strong note. I still got faith in them, and I'm looking forward to seeing a renewed and refreshed effort next Saturday against Kansas State. But until then, you know, just hold on, Longhorn Nation. We're going to get there.